It's kind of weird to say, but I'm sort of militant centrist. <laughs> Hello, the internet. You're listening to Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. Uh, This is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things. Um, I'm Luke T. Harrington, uh, award-winning novelist, best-selling humorist, baker of some really excellent coffee cake. Uh, Just just made some of that, not going to lie. A whole year of quarantine, almost, at this point has... um, Give me plenty of time to perfect my coffee cake recipe. Uh, so I just baked one for my wife and I ate a giant slice of it. And now to be perfectly honest with you, I feel kind of sick to my stomach, um, which is why I'm glad that I do not have to conduct the interview you're about to hear. It's already been done and recorded and edited. Um, and I just have to flip you over to it. Uh, we recorded this way back in January. So a little bit of a blast from the past. Uh, that's why we feel very awkward and nervous because we're recording two days after the Capitol insurrection, if you remember that. Feels like a while ago. <laughs> How strange that the world has moved on. Um, but yeah, I interviewed my friend Rachel Grieve, who is a geologist working for the state of Wisconsin. Um, about how she learned it was okay to change her mind. Um, That was how she pitched the interview to me, and I thought that was intriguing. Uh, What we ended up talking about mainly was creationism (laughs) and why working with rocks has convinced her that the young earth creationists were wrong. Um, So, yeah, you know, um, it was an interesting talk. Um, I will go ahead and flip you over to it, and I will see you for some follow-up thoughts on the other side. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi. Glad to be doing this. <laughs> you, sound, you sound so glad. You, sound you, know, so glad. you know, I really am. Actually, I am really excited because just listening to the show, it every time I think about, you know, what would I say about that? And now I get the chance to actually say it. So right, right on, right on. Yeah, Rachel is a hydrogeologist uh, working for the state of Wisconsin. Am I right about this? Why don't, why don't you tell people what you do? Sure. So I mostly work on groundwater issues, which is surprisingly controversial or maybe not surprisingly, but Hmm. it gives you a little peek behind the curtain of politics and science. And also being a religious person, you kind of get that contrast between those two worlds. So So you're telling me there's water underground. Absolutely. I'm not sure I buy that. That sounds made up. It is not in... (laughs) Rivers. I'm trying. I'm trying to play up the controversy here. <laughs> the the controversy is how it gets to get used. Sure, um, for sure. Yeah, between sure. the environmental groups and people who want to use it for irrigation or industry or whatever else. I mean, maybe we should just leave it down there for the underground fish. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they'd have to be very, very tiny fish. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's true. It's um, true. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to have you on. Um, we've, um, gosh, we've been talking about having you on since the early days of the show. And in the early days of the show, it was like, well, you could just come by and we could record an episode in the same room sometime. And then the world got hit by a global pandemic and it was like, maybe we should do this online. So <laughs> that's what we're doing. I'm curious, am I, am I more awkward in person or online? Oh, you're not <laughs> awkward in either, Luke. You're a perfectly delightful person online and in person. Oh, that's that's, that's sweet of you to say. <laughs> Plus, we yeah. love your kids, so that really goes a long way. You, you know, I my my kids definitely. Um, I don't, I don't want to say better half, but they they're definitely the better part of being around me or something. I don't know. <laughs> Where should we start? Let me let me ask you this um, because I know this is the question on all our listeners' minds. Um, what do you think of my new book, Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem? <laughs> well, I would say you are the only person that I know who I would call a legitimate author, um, <laughs> by which I mean, when I read your book, the writing isn't distracting as in like, oh, this thing is annoying and I would change this, but I can actually think about what you're actually saying, um, which is which is often quite entertaining. So yeah, I, I did I did enjoy your book. I'm I'm just I'm I'm mostly bringing that up as a joke, but um, I appreciate I really appreciate the backhanded compliment of like <laughs> it made it over the bar of the writing. Well, no, I mean like distractingly terrible. When when you look at like actors, if you don't notice them acting, that means right. they're doing the right thing. And I think right. it's the same thing with writing. If you don't notice the writing, and you can get beyond it to the content, sure. I mean, I think that's the goal. Yeah. No. I mean, I. There's a sense I agree with you on that. Um, there's also a sense in which I like, I don't know, like it's, it's weird because as a writer, you like labor over every word to make sure it kind of has the impact you intend it to. So on the one hand, it's like, it feels like a, like, it feels like a compliment to, for someone to say that. But on the other hand, it's, it's like, you didn't notice all my hard work. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, no, the maybe, I mean, maybe, were delightful. maybe that's true of, maybe that's true of every job. Like if you do it right, people don't even notice you did it. <laughs> Why don't we get into, um, what we're actually supposed to be talking about and not how everybody should definitely buy my book because it's amazing. What you, you told me you wanted to come onto the show to talk about how you learned it was okay to change your mind, which is the most delightfully meta episode I've ever had someone pitch to me. So I, you know, I said, I, I can't not agree to that. Why don't we start at the beginning, I guess. And you tell me why you thought it was not okay to change your mind, I guess. Does that, does that sure, make sense? Sure. Yeah. So, so I grew up in a very conservative Lutheran church and my dad was a pastor in this church until I was in like sixth grade. And I had uncles and grandparents and whatever that were all in this, this church body. And one of the main, you know, when you have a group, I've noticed that the thing that you focus on is the thing that distinguishes your group from all the other groups. Mm -hmm. And the thing that distinguishes this 
church from other churches and the reason that they split off from other churches is that they said we need to agree about everything that we teach otherwise we can't worship together so sounds, i mean that sounds pretty typical of conservative lutheranism to me i mean right. it's um, <laughs> spent a lot so, of time hanging out with with missouri synod and wisconsin synod lutherans that sounds yeah so this is this is one step beyond that because okay. <laughs> the reason that they split off from the wisconsin synod which is I, one of the most conservative already a tiny sectarian lutheran right right the reason they split <laughs> off from that is because they said you aren't leaving the Missouri Synod fast enough about the differences that you have. Interesting. <laughs> so, and it was, I mean, it was controversial. I know you like a good poo joke. So um, <laughs> my, my grandfather who died before I was born, so I never met him, but apparently when he decided he was going to do this and, and leave the, the church, you know, the, the congregation put up a for sale sign at his house, like immediately. And some, somebody left poo on his door. Oh my gosh. Like, or on his porch. Yeah. I mean, like, so this was like, people got very emotional about this topic. And that's like, that's like at the level of like Renaissance era religious controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, drowning somebody over their position on baptism or whatever. Right. Right. But, yeah, so like so there was some some high tempers at the time when they split off. So so the thing that distinguished the small Lutheran church was absolute doctrinal doctrine I can't say that word. Absolute doctrinal <laughs> I still can't say it. Um, was absolute agreement on every doctrine. And maybe 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 this is an unhelpful rabbit trail, but I mean even if you say we need to have absolute agreement on every doctrine, you're just opening up a whole other can of worms about like, how do we decide what is or isn't a doctrine? You know, <laughs> who, yeah, gets, well, who gets well, to say what's, what's doctrine and what's, what's the, uh, I think the, the Latin word would be adiaphora, right? Um, yeah. Oh, is, I wonder, is, is that how you pronounce it? I've always said it adiaphora. It, you know, like, I don't know. My, my Latin <laughs> is not good. So, <laughs> and it might even be Greek. Like I might, it's possible. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's it's got you know it. That, it probably, that, I bet that is Greek. It it's got a ph in it, so it's probably yeah. Greek. I'm just. And it's got I'm that just, a ending, yeah. I'm, I'm telling Greek. the whole world like how linguistically <laughs> ignorant I am right now. Which, by the way, buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there's you're you're absolutely right, but there is definitely a set of things that they said these are all the important things, and if you don't agree on these things you're out. Um, and the corollary to that is that you can know that you're right about all those things. Right. So, sure. so the, what you're doing when you're getting, when you're getting educated in this is you're learning the right answer and you're learning why the other answers are wrong. Hmm. You know, so like if mm -hmm. there's a question, the answer is this is the right answer. And let me tell you why all the other answers are not the right answer. So, I'm, so that like as a child, and maybe this is true for all children, you know, you just are very sure that what you're being taught is the right thing and everybody who thinks anything different is wrong. Sure, sure. Yeah. As a uh, 
Presbyterian kid who spent his entire elementary school career arguing with his Lutheran teachers about everything. I, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly the feeling um, of, you know, my parents taught me this and it's, so it's obviously, obviously accurate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And that's a very safe position too, because if you have the right answers, it's, you, you don't have to think about whether oh, does, do they have a point? Are the, am I wrong? Am I going down the wrong trail? It, it's very safe. Like, here's us, there's them, we're right, they're wrong. It's very black and white. The For only sure. problem is that you can't be right about everything. Right. It's, it's statistically, it's very unlikely <laughs> for <laughs> any one person to be right about yeah. everything. Especially um, when you're in this, you know, church that has a couple thousand members, you know, how is it possible that we have everything right and everybody else is wrong about everything? For sure. You know, it's just not very likely. How did this turn out then? Um, what, did, well, did your did your congregation end up splitting off? Uh, how many congregations split off? What, what happened? Well, so this was in the 60s. This is the 60s. Okay. Yeah. So this was the church that I was raised in. Okay. And was in until I was in my you know, mid thirties. Um, so one of the things in this, th- in this church is um, young earth, crea- young earth creationism. Sure. Which is, you know, six days, 24 hour days, six to 10,000 years ago. And this is what we believe. Um, they're very, um, in bed with the Ken Ham anthropogenesis mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, there's a member of this church body that actually works for that group. So he was sort of <laughs> the resident celebrity, you know, he would, <laughs> he would come and, you know, give his spiel about how evolution is, you know, anti-biblical and also stupid. And, <laughs> and here's the, the real way that things are. Um, so you know, and in, and in sermons, this would be one of, you know, your three examples of how bad the world is. You know, you've got your abortion, you've got your homosexuality, and you've got evolution. And those are your, like, three examples. Um, For sure. I mean, so, what other problems could there be, right? Yeah, right. yeah, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and so that was, I, I went to Lutheran schools through high school. And so... Um, not exclusively, there was a couple years of public school in there, but pretty mm-hmm. much. And what what they tell you is when you go to public school, they're gonna tell you this other stuff. It's gonna they're gonna be atheists, they're gonna be against the Bible, they're gonna make fun of you for what you believe, and you just need to, you know, be strong and believe what the Bible says and not pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I go to college and you know, I started off as an English major and, you know, I, I kind of did find some of that where English teachers were not, you know, super happy with my biblical morality and kind of maybe thought that religion was a little dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I got to three quarters of the way through college and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm an English major. What on earth am I going to do for work? and fortunately right about that time I took a geology class Hmm. and it was I loved it 
I mean, no I know kidding. you have geologists in your family. I don't know if they're like gung-ho geologists. Yeah, I come from a long, long line of geologists. Um, <laughs> no, my, my, dad, my dad and both my in-laws all have um, degrees in geology, although only my mother-in-law has actually uh, used, used one in, in her career. So, um, Well, see, you do it even if you're never going to use it because it's so cool. Like for <laughs> geology, it's really it cool. It totally rocks. Uh, <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. It's the schist. Uh, <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like Other I need to apologize puns. to every listener for that right now. I'm... I'm sorry. I'm a dad. The dad jokes just, they, they pop out of me whether I want them to or not. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I got into taking geology classes and what I found with my geology professors, um, you know, these people who are supposedly going to be propounding atheist evilness and making fun (laughs) of me was they didn't care. Yeah. You know, as if I could answer the questions and did my stuff they didn't care. You know, they, they weren't going to make fun of me. They were just going to, you know, like grade my stuff and whatever. Uh-huh. And, and they were perf- perfectly cool with it. And, um, I did have one professor who was, um, I actually did some field work with him out in Maine and got to know his family really well. And he was, um, openly Christian, hmm. which, you know, in the sciences is, is a little bit, maybe unusual. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also believed in an old earth, you know, he's a geology professor, whatever. And so, you know, we talked about a couple times about, you know, beliefs and things about that. I remember one trip back from Missouri where we had been at a conference and we had a couple hour discussion and I was like, oh, you know, I think the Bible says this, but, you know, it's like, I can't see my way to getting to the old earth because, you know, I believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of told me, you know, I, I don't think that's really necessary, but, you know, he was perfectly nice about it. And, you know, we perfectly never talked nice about it again. About it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we never really talked about it again. And, um, but, you know, it kind of stuck with me that, you know, he is a very Christian person with, who with different beliefs than me on that position. So I I got through college and I did my master's down here in Madison and um, down here. Yeah. The the (laughs) very southerly (laughs) Madison, Wisconsin. We're we're down if you're Canadian, right? Yeah. Well, no, I did my undergrad in Eau Claire, which is three hours north. So there you go. Oh yeah. So from there it's, it's down South. Um, (laughs) Also a little bit different political climate, but um, yeah. Um, But yeah, so I I got through my master's and I got a job working in groundwater. And as you're working in groundwater, you know, you're looking at geology all the time. Mm -hmm. And sort of the more I was looking at this, I was like, "Ah, you know, I really don't see how this could possibly be the result of, you know, 6,000 year flood geology. Like, just like there's, I just don't see how this is working. And so I was living with a lot of cognitive dissonance and it was really uncomfortable. 
But can you um, can you maybe go into some of the stuff you saw that uh, started to turn turn your mind around on that? Well, um, I would say like things in the like trace fossils. So things like you've got layers, and then in a layer halfway up the rock column, you'll get um, burrows or footprints or mm-hmm. you know where you can see the drops of rain that had been falling mm-hmm. on this land or um things that are basically like desert environments and and all of these were totally incompatible with this sort of rapid catastrophic um deposition that yeah. was would be required i mean and that's that's sort of the tip of the iceberg right um, because then you get things like metamorphic rocks that have these folds on top of faults on top of you know then it was eroded and then flat layers got laid down on top of that Mm -hmm. and so just all of the complexity you look at it and you're like okay so my options here are (laughs) god made footprints in rocks yeah or maybe I need to take another look at whether this is really the absolute only way to interpret the Bible or, you know, God forbid, maybe the whole thing's fake, mm. <laughs> you know, and the, the kind of terrifying aspect of that was the, maybe it's all fake because mm-hmm. I would say my main identity is that I am Christian For and, sure. and thinking about, having to change that in some way was really terrifying. And at the same time, you, there's no one to go to with questions because you know what the answers are already. Hmm. You know, if you, if you go to your church, you know what the answers are because you've been hearing them for the last 30 years. I personally know a whole lot about this debate because it's just one of those areas where I don't, particularly care, which sounds really bad, but, um, no, I mean, this, this is an interesting conversation. Um, I just like, I just don't really know what the typical creationist responses would be. Uh, do you want to go into a little bit what they would be? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's the biblical interpretation, which is if you read the Bible, it looks like the most straightforward reading of it is 24 hour days. Right. And if you look at the genealogies, you can add it up and you're like, okay, that's 6,000 years. Sure. So, um, but the, the sign, uh, like the, okay. The flood geology response would be, um, what exactly? Like, it, like the, so, the flood somehow piled up one layer and then another layer and then another layer in the span of what, however many 150 days or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. So um, there's kind of a range, but. Um, what they'll say is that sort of the basement rocks, the Precambrian rocks with no fossils in them were made at creation, which is that whole appearance of age thing. And then, um, and then that basically rocks with fossils were laid down during the flood. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and that there was like a lot of tectonic activity continents moving around um right after that or there were ice ages um so so that's kind of the 
the flood geology story. Sure. Um, sometimes that's um, combined with some kind of like canopy of fluid or water that was over and under, over the air and under the ground that like, right. we're all, because otherwise the question is, oh, where'd all the water come from? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of the, the typical um, flood geology narrative. Sure. Sure. But um, what you're saying is, you know, if you actually look at the geologic layers of the earth, you really don't see evidence that would support that. Right. Um, yeah. It's, you know, if, if you're actually down there on the ground, literally looking at it and you, you know, are, are coming from a framework of understanding how geology is done, it's, it's not really a tenable thesis. Right. And yeah. then if you look at other, and, and I'm not, don't know anything about these other things, but I know if you look at, you know, like astronomy and light coming from distant stars and geology or, um, biology i mean everything seems to point in the same direction so sure. you know eventually sort of the weight of evidence got to me where i was like <laughs> mm -hmm. this is this is this is something's got to give here for sure um, so you know i started looking at evidence and also started looking at sort of different biblical interpretations mm -hmm. which is which is really what i needed to do in order to allow myself to go with the evidence. Sure. Um, sure. So at this, at this point, were you, I mean, were you at all, you know, toying with the idea of abandoning Christianity entirely or um, was, that, was that not on the table? Well, honestly, yes. And this is where I blame the young earth creationist movement mm -hmm. because they portray this as if you don't believe this, you don't believe the Bible. Uh -huh. You don't believe in inspiration. It's a slippery slope. If you don't believe in six day creation, how can you believe in the resurrection? You know, so, and, and completely ignoring the fact that throughout history, there have always been people with different opinions about this. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, Augustine said, oh, I don't think it really took six days. I think God did it immediately because why would he take that long? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. you know and going back to oh i heard an interesting fact about um william jennings bryant uh -huh. made comments about oh these people that say that christians think the world is not old they're just that that's a red herring because christians really do think that <laughs> yeah no i mean and he was completely anti-evolution you know like right th there's I mean, been a diversity of opinion and that gets swept under the rug yeah no i mean if you look at early 20th century uh evangelical and even fundamentalist christianity um you you will find very few uh people who insisted on a young earth interpretation of uh of um the age of the earth. Um, this is actually, it's a very new thing. Um, and not, not that people haven't, you know, insisted on it prior to the, you know, to the, to the mid 20th century, but the, the idea that it was somehow required like a, like a essential tenet of the Christian faith to believe in a 10, six to 10,000 year old earth is a very new idea. Um, 
but it's also become a very popular idea in a certain certain corners of Protestantism uh, in the last half century or so. Um, right, and like I said, one of the the big three examples of atheist evil. Yes, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, don't, and- I don't know if I don't know if listeners can place the name William Jennings Bryan. He was the prosecuting attorney at the Scopes Monkey Trial. Um, he was also he was also a failed uh, uh, candidate for president like three times uh, prior to that. Um, but he was he was there to um, you know the Scopes Monkey Trial is a very famous trial where a, a teacher in Tennessee was prosecuted for teaching evolution. William Jennings Bryan volunteered to be like the celebrity prosecutor uh, for a teacher that taught evolution. And even in the context of the trial, he said, no, I mean, I don't believe in a young earth. <laughs> like this was not, this was not something that was on the radar of even some of the most ardent creationists at the time of the Scopes monkey trial, um, which is interesting to say the least. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, I mean, because I was raised with that idea, I really questioned my faith. Like I had a point where I would be in church and um every week we sing um the create in me, which has, you know, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And mm. I'd be like very strongly praying that because I'm like praying and I'm like, I don't feel like there's anybody out there. It was pretty scary. My gosh, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and this was what, mid to late 20s for you? or um, I'm just I, trying like, to get a sense early of- Early 30s, probably. Early 30s. I mean, for, I know a lot of people sort of go through these existential crises, mind-changing sort of things around college. And for mm-hmm. me, it was probably like 10 years after that. It was just kind of a slowly building thing. Hmm. Whereas like evidence and then more evidence and holy whoever's out there. I don't think that what I'm believing is right. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, like I did, I, I researched it and I was like, Oh no, it, this is legitimate to believe what you see in the world and what evidence is showing you and also believe the Bible. And I came to that conclusion and it made me realize other things about where I was at with, um, with other topics. Like what? Um, Well, like mostly other things having to do with the church Hmm. because I'm like, you know what? I am not at a church where I can bring up these, these things. Hmm. And, I can't bring up things about this. If I have questions about something else, I also can't bring that up. Um, not that, not that the people would be, you know, mean about it or mm-hmm. you know ostracize you, but it just wasn't accepted mm-hmm. that you could have those beliefs and be orthodox. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I said that really strong emphasis on everybody believing the same thing. Um, I just knew like, this is not something that um, that's going to really be accepted. Hmm. And I, I just was like, you know, I think I want to be somewhere 
where discussions can be had, where you can, it's not just a fruitless effort. And there's actually the possibility that somebody might have a different opinion or somebody might change their mind. Hmm. And I think at that point I was like, you know, I think being open to changing your mind is really important. Hmm. You know, and, and also thinking back on that professor that I had in college and how, you know, as I was going through this 10 years later, you know, I would, I would think about him being like, he's a Christian and we had this discussion and it's fine, you know, and he didn't, he didn't know that he was having that impact on me. The, the things that, that, and even listening to your show, the things that make people change their mind, it's not somebody being in your face and having the best argument. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's putting it out there. And sometimes it has to marinate for a long time. For sure. And you don't know. For sure. So at that point, you end up, you end up leaving this church then? Yeah. And, um, I mean, you say leaving this church and it sounds like sort of a small change, but um, our kids were in school there Mm -hmm. and all of our friends were there. And because it's such a small church body, it's basically like a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it it was, it was pretty traumatic um, Mm -hmm. and a hard decision to make. Mm -hmm. But a lot lot of people there give you, give you grief about it. Trying um, to stop you. Well, I mean, we. It it was a, a situation where basically everything had been said because I knew their answers, mm-hmm. you know. And and no, yeah, this, no, nobody. This one of those me. things. I, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of want to dig down into the to the moment here. Was this one of these those things where you were just kind of keeping everything bottled up, or were you getting into lots of arguments with people? Um, oh, definitely bottled up. I okay. mean, and that was, okay. that was part of, that was part of the issue was that I was like, this is not something that I feel like can even be a topic of conversation because there's no chance of anybody of, of it being productive on either side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess that is the cost of insisting on 100% doctrinal agreement is there there's no room for discussion um there there's no purpose for discussion if there's nothing to discuss right um yeah so no i mean no everybody these are good christian people and and nobody was you know vindictive there was no poo on my porch you know um you know i i I know you know, something to tell the grandkids about. Um, <laughs> Just make that up, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, it was a big change in our life because we had to look around for somewhere else. And I mean, you can argue that where we wound up was basically very similar to where we came from, but it just feels very different. Um, yeah. I mean, you went sectarian Lutheran to slightly less sectarian Lutheran, essentially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 
and maybe this it's just where we're at but i feel like there there's definitely more diversity of opinion like sure. and and allowance for diversity of opinion and also just not feeling like i mean i i said to myself i am not bottling this up again like if people want to know my opinion about this i will tell them and I do have some bitterness against the creation science people because of me almost losing my faith. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I've heard stories of other people, like including on your show about people who, you know, this was the thing where they're like, this Christianity thing is ridiculous. I can't believe that, you know, this young earth creationist and thing that they're telling me I have to believe just toss the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and <laughs> what's interesting to me is I've I've had one Lutheran pastor on the show. I'm sure you heard that episode, or maybe you couldn't. Maybe you couldn't stomach it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, um, uh, Christian Teves, who's, who's actually been on the show twice, um, former uh, former Missouri Synod pastor of mine, who was a geologist um, and an an agnostic um, and actually somehow convinced himself with the geological evidence. He saw that the earth was young and then found his way into Christianity, uh, which is interesting to me. (laughs) It's not, not, not a position I have anything in common with. Um, But I don't know that there are two sides to that coin. Yeah. Well, you know, if that's what, (laughs) if that's what led him that direction, good for him. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of that's kind of where I where I land, you know, is um, you know, like you know, and you and know. there may be things like if you look at the world, I think coming to to see deep time, I mean that blows my mind. Can you define what deep time means? Deep deep time is the millions and billions of years that have gone before and just all of the the things that have happened the processes the you know mountains rising and eroding and rising again and um you know i i think about that and to me i get an incredible sense of awe Hmm. about just the scope of creation and I, I can't even explain it, but it's just, it, it's like, like God loves cool stuff. <laughs> you know, like maybe there's a galaxy on the other side of the universe that just exists because it does. And no human being will ever see it, but just the creative power of god he made that happen mm-hmm. and and to me so so coming to this it has actually given me sort of more of a sense of that hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of the smallness of humanity and the great scope of things unless i'm mistaken i think i think wells the wisconsin lutheran synod actually requires at least their uh, pastors to be or their clergy to be young earth creationists. Am I, am I off on that or am I? Um, It's possible, but there's a little (laughs) bit of difference between being a young earth creationist and buying into the creation science. Sure. Like 
I don't have a problem with people who want to say the world is 6,000 years old and I don't know how that works. And maybe God did put, you know, fossil footprints into rocks. Right. You know, like I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is people bringing up things as science that aren't. And I don't, and, and I know for a fact that at least some of the pastors in the Wisconsin Synod don't buy into that. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I can see how how uh, Wells would be a more comfortable um, place for you then, um, or for me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, um, but but yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing was that, like I said, going through that mind tasting process about that and sort of realizing that you can't have the conversations really made me be like. I want to be able to have the conversations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I just totally lost my turn of thought of where I was going with that. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in theory, at least what we're, what we're talking about is um, how you learned it was okay to change your mind. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that specifically or? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say at this point, I want to be able to look at all sides of an issue mm-hmm. and realize that maybe my position isn't right. You know, sure. like I, I think before I was in that place where I wanted to feel safe mm-hmm. and I wanted just to be right. And, you know, I had the facts and I could spell them and I don't want to go back in time and see myself when I was a kid because I was probably really obnoxious. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we all were when we were kids. Right? <laughs> uh, some kids managed to avoid it, and I'm always like, "How do you do that? How are you not an obnoxious child?" But can anyway, I tell I, you, this, I was. Is, this is completely off topic. But sure. um, I have a, I have a, a novel that I'm, I'm, I'm trying currently trying to sell it. We'll see if it ever gets published anywhere. Um, <laughs> but when I started it, I had a character in it who was based on who I, I decided to base on like me, myself when I was 15 years old. And like, I got 100 pages into the novel. And I was like, I can't stand this character, I have to cut him out. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you a masochist? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently. Um, anyway, the current version of the novel does not have that character in it. So <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh man. No. <laughs> um yeah, I mean even with I mean going to some of this current political craziness which we I should mean, tell listeners because I have no idea when this episode's oh, going to come out. Right, but that's right. we are we are recording this 2 days after an attempted at, at the very least, I think we should call it an act of sedition on the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., uh, when um, the uh, the whole um, QAnon and Proud Boys crowd tried to invade the Capitol building as Congress was trying to uh, certify the results of the presidential election. So that's kind of <laughs> – that's the malaise we're sitting under that's as we record conduct. this. <laughs> nice. But yeah. anyway, what were you saying? So, so what I'm saying is like, so even with that, I mean, yeah, there's a level where facts are important mm-hmm. and some people just ignore facts mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't feel like I need to engage that. Mm. But at some point 
basically the more complex your idea is, it goes into opinions. And I, I like to think about people's opinions when they're different from mine, because I know that my opinions aren't always right. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's, you know, people who say Donald Trump was the best president we ever had, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not going to agree with that. <laughs> but I will look at this. I will say, were there things that this man did that were good? Mm -hmm. You know, and and I, th I think when you're willing to listen to the other side and try to draw things out of their positions that are maybe true, you're going to go to the middle and you might come up with something that's valuable. Hmm. You know, like, like working for state government. I've been in when there's Republican control. I've been in when there's Democratic control. And... You know, you can agree with one side or the other, but it seems to me that what you want is people on both sides so that you don't go crazy. Because if one side has control, they're going to go in a direction and they're just going to keep going in that direction until something stops them. And by the time they get there, that's not where you want to be. <laughs> it's, you know, like... We want to control the, We want to um, protect the environment. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's protect the environment. But if you, if that's your only goal, you destroy all your farms. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we don't want that. Let's just let there be farming and no control, um, no environmental controls. Okay, you don't want that either because you just drained all your wetlands and now you have flooding. Mm -hmm. You you want to be somewhere in the middle. And so if you don't listen to both sides and if you're not willing to adjust, you're hmm. going to go to a bad place. And that's, that's kind of, I think where I'm at. Hmm. So you're a mushy moderate type. I am very <laughs> mushy. But I mean, I do, do you, I, you, I'm curious though. Um, like I'm, 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 this is not a leading question. I'm not trying to um, make you say anything stupid or embarrassing. I'm just, I'm just curious. Do you, do you really believe that, it's it's frequent it's frequently if not always the case that each quote unquote side of a controversy has part of the truth and only part of the truth um typically yes okay okay um, i mean it, it's kind of weird to say but i'm sort of militant centrist yeah yeah for sure for <laughs> you sure. know um, yeah i think it's very rare that the extreme is going to be right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's probably true in politics. It's probably true in personal relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you think you're a hundred percent right in an argument, you probably aren't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the thing that's come out of this for me is just, being like, okay, I really need to pay attention mm -hmm. to to what's going on. Yeah, I guess um, you know, and I, I I don't know. I, I have some sympathy <laughs> for the militant centrism thing, but I, I just I just feel like living in an era when literally it feels like half of the 
government is insisting, you know, based on no evidence at all that there was massive voter fraud and everybody actually wants the extremely unpopular president to continue being president. And, you know, like, like sitting through that and saying, well, you know, each side is about half right. I'm just like, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't that's know. Not like, what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there's there are times in history when that's true. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm willing to buy into the idea that that's true right now. Um. Yeah. No, I I am not saying that. There is absolutely facts and lies, and you should base your opinions on facts. Um. I, I, I what, guess what I am was- what I am saying is that when these people say, oh, the media is biased and we don't believe anything it says and they're just all liars. I mean, there could be a grain of truth in saying, okay, let me make sure that the news sources that I look at aren't doing that because there's definitely like the pot calling the kettle black. You know, you're lying. No, you're lying. Okay, you're both lying. (laughs) you know but but no 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 um just this last since the the election has just honestly driven me crazy Mm -hmm. with with the lies yeah um because of because of family members that have bought it hook line and sinker Mm -hmm. um and these are the people that taught me to think so it makes me be like (laughs) am i gonna go this way at some point I mean, I mean, not to insult your family, but from the way you were describing the church you were raised in, it sounds almost like they taught you not to think. <laughs> well, so and maybe I went, maybe I went a little bit beyond because okay, okay. Um, no, I mean there was definitely there's definitely thought, mm-hmm. um, but once you pick a side, you stick to your side, mm-hmm. and you defend your side. Um, and sure. also, I mean, maybe I'm like, because this is my thing, I probably <laughs> am over emphasizing it, but I do feel like at some level, this whole young earth creation versus science is not helpful because it's like a very short step from we have our science and they have their science to we have our facts and they have their facts. Yeah, I, I think that it probably like not to editorialize too much, but I do think that's a large part of what's happening right now. Like I've, I, I, you know, I don't feel like I was raised, you know, particularly evangelical slash fundamentalist. Like I, I feel like if anything, I was raised very on the cusp of that. Um, but I, I, you know, I have friends who who were um, and were like the last four years have really felt like the homeschool community somehow managed to take over the white house, you know, um, the evangelical homeschool community, um, where I, they use what, like a Becca textbooks. Is that a thing or a, I don't oh, know. I love a Becca. <laughs> I did that when I was, I wasn't homeschooled, but yeah, we okay. used a Becca. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just kind of, um, you know, brazenly denying whatever facts are inconvenient. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it did the the talk about the school made me think about. I mean, one of your you know stock questions is whether um, 
you're evangelical or not evangelical. What's the word? Evangelistic. Um, evangelistic. Which for, most people don't even know the difference between those two words. So no worries. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, are you though? <laughs> well, so it's caused some strife. For sure. Um, I don't, I don't bring it up to people mm-hmm. unless it comes up, but mm-hmm. um, it has caused some issues between uh, me and my sister who does homeschool her kids. Mm-hmm. And because I've said to her, like, I don't know if you really want her to be teaching your kids that because look, I, I got taught this. I found out, you know, facts and I almost lost my faith. So think about it, which she found very offensive. Hmm. Um, and she doesn't also, she also doesn't want me to let her kids know that I think this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is difficult for me because I, of my newfound or five years old or whatever, um, <laughs> belief that it's probably healthy to know that there's a diversity of opinions mm-hmm. among mm-hmm. people that you can respect. Mm-hmm. And sure. so, I mean, I, I respect her wishes. I don't like barge in and tell her kids this, but at the same time, I think it would be helpful for them, like healthy, if, you know, they knew things like that. Hmm. Why don't we, uh, why don't we wrap this up? I have, um, I have three questions I try to ask all my guests. Um, these questions of epistemology, ontology, how do we know truth? How do we know ourselves? First of all, what is identity? Does everyone have an identity? And how do you know your identity? What do you think? I don't know that I have a strong opinion about this one. I I just think your identity is the story that you tell yourself about yourself, hmm. which is, is going to be informed by the water you're swimming in. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to me as you know someone who's you know read more more psychology than a layman probably should you know just enough to make myself dangerous um is this idea that um narrativizing is what distinguishes human consciousness consciousness from i don't know animal consciousness or or maybe even what creates uh consciousness itself um is being able to tell this story of, you know, I, I am this person. I did this yesterday. I will do that tomorrow. Um, and I don't know if there's, I don't know if where I'm going with that exactly. The, the mental disorders, uh, like schizophrenia or, or, um, you know, disassociative disorders, um, that really mess people up tend to be the ones where people are unable to think of themselves that way as, you know, I just did this, I'm about to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably just rambling. Um, <laughs> second, what is what is human nature? Um, are we all the same deep down? Are we all different deep down? Are we all blank slates? What do you think? So, my son, the philosopher, <laughs> like literally, he asked me, "Is philosophy a job I can have?" <laughs> If you're like one of two or three lucky people in the world, then yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, he said something to me about, you know, isn't it strange that people don't have instincts? You know, animals have instincts. Why don't people have in- instincts? Hmm. And I said, 
No, no. People have instincts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, your instincts are instincts because it just feels so natural that you don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And and so I mean, so he said that to me, and I was like, you know, what are the instincts that he or special to human beings other than you know like physical you know like babies know how to nurse and you know things like that um and i was thinking it's i think maybe three important pieces Hmm. are that people want relationships Mm -hmm. and they want justice or like fairness and they want to preserve themselves Hmm. and i was thinking about that i'm like a lot of what people do can come down to those three things and how they interact with each other. Hmm. And they can interact in a positive way. They can interact in a negative way. You know, if you want justice, that can be great, but it can also, you know, you can decide that what needs to happen for justice is you need to kill somebody, Hmm. you know, and it's, everything can be twisted or it can be right. Um, and I think part of the beauty of, of the Christian message is that when you're thinking about self-preservation is that it expands what you mean by self. Hmm. You know, that interaction between relationship and preserving yourself, you can say, myself is expanded to my family, it's expanded to my community, and it, it's expanded to all people. Hmm. And you can you can interact with people that way then whereas if you're you know you say oh i'm going to preserve just me and i'm going to do what's right for me and my relationships are going to be based on my power and my fear that if i don't have power something bad might happen to me um i don't know it's just I feel like a lot of it can come down to those three basic things, but that there's so many permutations of them Hmm. that you get all of the diversity you see of people. Hmm. (laughs) And thank you, Seth. I had those thoughts. (laughs) I mean, that's really interesting actually. Like I, I mean, not, not to heap too much praise on you, but that might be one of the most profound answers I've got on this show. Um, I'm really going to have to think about that, about those, those three things. Cause that's, that's an insight I didn't have before. I want to push yeah. back maybe a little bit on the, on the, on the Christianity thing. Um, because I, you know, I, I feel like it's not hard for me to imagine, you know, a, a non-Christian, I know I have some non-Christian listeners. It's not hard to imagine a non-Christian listening to the show and thinking, well, what's so special about Christianity? Like I care about my family. I care about my community. Um, well, what, 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 in what way does Christianity uniquely expand concern for self to, to family and community, do you think? Well, I mean, I think a lot of the things that Jesus said about love your neighbor and who is my neighbor, um, and he explicitly expanded that beyond your own family, beyond your own ethnic community, to people who might be considered your enemies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the whole process of incorporating people who weren't Jewish mm-hmm. into the Christian faith was an exercise of expanding that community to include all people. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. One more thing you and William Jennings Bryan agree upon, I guess. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know that about William Jennings Bryan. Sorry. I'm not- I just knew I, that one thing, and that was my total knowledge about him. <laughs> I have probably studied the Scopes trial more than the average person. Um, <laughs> and there's definitely um, – was it was it Clarence Darrow who was the defense attorney? I, I think it was Clarence Darrow. Um, and uh, he and uh, – so much of this trial was just him and, and Brian arguing back and forth over the value of Christianity. Um and somehow, somehow they got down the rabbit trail. Like this is this was during the in the middle of the trial um, of of Brian saying, you know, arguing for the superiority of of Christianity because of how it states the the golden rule differently from say Buddhism and that sort of anyway. Um, and part of my um, <laughs> radical middle ground is that I say. Buddhism, you probably have some great ideas and we could probably learn from them. For sure. For sure. You know? um, and of course, the Buddha be- predated the Christ by about 400 years. Um, and he, the Buddha famously said, don't do unto others what they would not have, what you would not have them do unto you. And uh, Christ expanded that a bit with, with do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um and the, the Buddha's golden rule was good. I think the Christ's golden rule is a little bit better, personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Um, and finally, since we're already going down the, the route of comparative religion here, um, what, is, what is truth? How do you know truth? And uh, how can you know when you found truth? Well, I wasn't going to go down comparative religions on truth. <laughs> <laughs> that might be for the best, honestly. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I think there is a truth. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a, a deep truth of what actually everything is for, what everything is, whether we can know that deep truth. I, I don't, I don't think it's possible to completely comprehend that, but I do think there are parts of it that you can know. Hmm. And I, I think we need to try to know them to the best of our ability. And that is honestly where some of this conspiracy theory um, craziness just drives me bonkers mm-hmm. because it, it makes me be like, oh my goodness, where where is this truth even on a basic level? Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like truth is knowable at some level. And Mm -hmm. I would like to continue to think that truth is knowable at some level Mm -hmm. um, and not that everyone just gets to pick their own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the problem with um, agreeing on truth is that, you know, for two people to agree on the truth, they both have to agree on an evidentiary standard, you know, what is, what constitutes evidence for the claim that's under debate, you know? Um, you know, and if, if person A says, well, I believe this because the Bible says it or because my understanding of the Bible says it and person B says, well, I believe this because I've actually looked at the, the fossil layers, you know, um, I, I don't know where those two people can meet. Um, yeah, well, and I guess that's maybe... That, that's where I'm saying you should look at the evidence mm-hmm. and the res, the 
conclusion you come to might be different, but I think it's important to acknowledge evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, I can acknowledge that there's, there's things in your argument that, you know, are head scratchers and things that, yeah, I need to think about that. And I'm not going to be so stuck in my position that I'm like, I'm never going to change that ever. But I can also look at the evidence and say it would take a lot to change that. All right. Well, that seems like a good place to uh, to wrap things up. Um, Rachel, thank you for so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's been very interesting. <laughs> and I actually did enjoy it. Good. good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you sounded like, I don't know, you've like, I didn't chase you down. You've been volunteering to come on the show for a while, but you also seem very skeptical that you would um, have anything interesting to say. And this has been a very interesting conversation for me. You've really made me think about a lot of things. Um, so I don't know what your deal was. You were very, you were very uh, pleasant, pleasant and informative guest to have on. So thank you for coming on. Um, <laughs> and hopefully that didn't sound like a backhanded compliment. I, oh, I just did not a mean little bit. I absolutely did not mean it that way. Um, before we go, uh, do, do you have anything you want to plug? A Twitter or anything else you do? No. Go Everybody, <laughs> be kind and go to the middle. Be kind, go to the middle, save the groundwater. All right. Save the groundwater. Save the groundwater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been um, Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or just visit my website, which is LukeTHarrington.com. I feel like I need to make a bit of a confession. Um, not really a confession. I didn't do anything wrong, unless I did. Less a confession and more of a window into the darkness of my soul, which I don't know, maybe that distinction doesn't make sense. You can decide if it makes sense, I guess. Um, the other day I was talking to a friend who is something of a podcast guru a podcast whisperer, if you will. Um, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what the future or potential future of this show is, where I see it going, that sort of thing. Um, and what he said to me was something along the lines of, this show seems really off-brand for you, <laughs> which might be true. I don't know. Um, he said, you know, you are... And I'm, I'm quoting very loosely because I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said, um, you are the funny one. You know, you're the one who brings humorous insight to serious topics. Um, and I said, yeah, that's kind of why I <laughs> wanted to do this show, because I'm trying to get away from that a little bit, you know. Um, and there's a reason for that. You know, like. The truth is I may be the funny one, but it's not something I sought out to be. Like I've found <laughs> usually whenever I just say what I'm thinking, people laugh. And to, to an extent I've embraced that, <laughs> but it's, it's very rarely deliberate. Um, 
Because the reality of it is I just struggle to take the world seriously, like, at all. Um, Every time something horrible happens, I just kind of shrug and say, well, what'd you expect? The world is terrible and people are idiots. (laughs) That's just the way I'm wired. Um, And... When I say that, people tend to laugh and think I'm joking. And (laughs) I wish that were the case, but that's long been my default take on the universe. Um, And I I mean, I tried to, when I started this show, it was me trying to get away from that. I'll I'll tell you a story. Um, 1990. Eight, I think maybe it was 99. Um, someone can look that up if they care. It was eighth grade year for me. Uh, the Columbine shooted, shooting happened. Um, and you may or may not remember that, um, depending on whether you're my age or not. Um, there's a big uh, school shooting in Columbine, Colorado. Um, a couple of guys came to school with a bunch of guns, killed a bunch of classmates. Um, Yeah, like I said, I was in eighth grade. Everybody was freaking out. Everybody was scared. You know, everybody was like, when is our school going to get shot up? Um, And so my uh, eighth grade English teacher said, you know, let's let's just have a class discussion on this. Um, Hopefully I can answer your questions for those of you who are scared um, may, maybe help you understand what happened and why, why it happened and what we can do to prevent it a little more. Um, you know, cause people really were shaken by it. Um, and of course I being me <laughs> raised my hand and said, um, why are people still shocked by this stuff? Honestly, you know, <laughs> like this isn't the, this isn't the first school shooting to ever happen. This isn't even the, like the first school shooting this year that happened. Why are people still shocked by this? Like, this is like a thing that happens. Y'all need to get over it. <laughs> and that was my earnest take. Um, and you know, I, Obviously, I wasn't going for laughs because nobody was in the mood to laugh at the time. That was just how I honestly felt. Um, and to my, you know, English teacher's credit, she tried to explain it to me. Like, you know, it, it hits home for people. A lot of us, <laughs> you know, all of us here come to school every day and we know it could happen to us potentially because it happened there. And, yeah, anyway, um, but that was my honest take. Um, 9-11. Uh, for hopefully you remember 9-11. That was a thing, uh, 2001. Um, that was my, I believe, junior? No, yes, junior year of high school. Um, what had happened as I was walking to school um, is one of those things you're su- su- supposed to remember exactly where you were when it happened, um, like the Kennedy assassination or whatever. And it would have happened while I was walking to school. Um, and I walked into my first period class, um, and it was a CAD class, computer-aided drafting. Um, and typically there wasn't a TV in that room. Uh, this was back in the days of CRTs, obviously. Um, but I walked in and, you know, the classroom was 
basically deserted, maybe one or two people in there. Um, someone had, presumably the teacher, had wheeled a, like a TV cart to the front of the room and put on the news. Um, so I walk in and I see just this big gaping hole in the World Trade Center. And I kind of laughed a little bit and I said, oh, so someone bombed the World Trade Center again. You know, <laughs> that was my, that was my uh, immediate take on 9-11. Um, and again, I'm not proud of this. This is just how I'm wired. This is just how I think of things. Um, and it seemed to me that um, it, it was somewhat appropriate that we recorded the episode you just heard shortly after the uh, Capitol insurrection, um, because I had a very similar reaction to that uh, when I first heard about it. Um, I'm not someone who obsessively watches the news. Um, you know, typically I, I feel like uh, being online occasionally gets me the headlines I need. And if I want to go deeper into a story, I can, but it's not, I don't put it on TV and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I saw a post on some social media network that was like, OMG, people just broke into the Capitol, you know, and I knew what was going on. I knew that they were uh, voting to certify the election results. Um, and I just kind of rolled my eye. And I said to myself, you know, like, what did people expect? You know, we elected a demagogue. He's been, he spent the last however long whipping people into a frenzy over basically nothing. Um, you know, like, of course, that's where we end, that's where things end up. Um, and that was, you know, that was my reaction at the time. Um, and maybe it shouldn't have been, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I just, I have a very low cynical expectation of people. Um, as Rachel said, <laughs> when I asked her, you know, all people really want is relationships and fairness and to preserve themselves. Um, and maybe fairness is even a little bit more high-minded than I would go. <laughs> I think people want, we, people want justice for themselves and whatever for everyone else in general. Um, but no, I mean, people want relationships. People want to preserve themselves. How do you preserve yourself? Partly by forming relationships, right? And how do you get relationships? Usually through shared beliefs. Um, and those beliefs don't have to be true. You know, they don't even have to be reflected in the evidence. Um, they can be something like young earth creationism or the QAnon con conspiracy theory, right? The belief the election was stolen despite the total lack of evidence. That's what people do. At least that's how I usually understand people. Um, I started this show because two years into the Trump presidency, it seemed like every one of my worst beliefs about humanity was being confirmed. And seeing that happen in real time is not funny. 
I can make a joke about it, but it's not funny. You know, I started this show because I want to believe something better about the world. I want to believe that truth is real, that justice is real, that they matter. I don't believe that, but I want to believe that. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um, If you like the show, if you like what I'm doing, uh, please take a second to go on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Uh, Give me a rating. Give me a review, et cetera, et cetera. Every little bit helps. Um, It would mean a lot if you would take a second to rate and or review my podcast. If you want to support me financially, uh, this is a listener-supported show. Um, please go online to Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com slash change my mind, and you can throw me a tip in any increment of $3. Uh, if you want to give me $3.01, you cannot. You can only give me $3 or $6 or $9, etc. Um, if you don't want to throw me money for nothing at all, except for the show, obviously, you can buy my book. Um, my book is still available at all major bookstores, including Amazon.com. Um, it's called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, colon, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Be Amused, and Hopefully Informed. Uh, it is me being the funny guy, making fun, poking fun, I should say, at the weirder texts in the Christian scriptures. Um, it is put out by a Christian publisher, but written with a general audience in mind. It is the perfect gift for anyone in your life who wants to learn more about the Bible, whether that interest is academic or spiritual or just generally curious. Um, So check it out. Uh, I want to thank Rachel for coming on the show. Rachel has been a tremendous friend to my family ever since I met her a few years ago. Um, I want to thank Jonathan Clausen for editing the show. Jonathan is also a really good dude, and he is doing his best weathering all the stock market craziness while he manages a GameStop in Florida. He's also a very good editor. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Please check them out at ravencreeksc.com. They've got two other podcasts you may enjoy about movies and also about the Bible, incidentally. And finally, I want to thank you for listening to Change My Mind. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and please don't be afraid to change your mind.